Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Molly and I, we love getting birth announcements these days. It is so fun for us to see the cards that people send out with the picture of the, the newborn baby and the family. And I don't know about you, but I, I, it seems to me that, that people um, fit into two categories when it comes to birth announcements. You have one group of people who I think they, they value expeditiousness, uh, expediency, I guess is the word. I actually did a Molly. Molly's always making up new words. Expediency is the word. Uh, and they will, you know, the baby comes out and they will take a picture of this baby when it's like four hours old and it looks like a tiny little red gargoyle. Um, and the mother looks like she's been dragged behind a speedboat for like 23 hours without skis, right? But they want that picture out there. And so they take the picture and they send it out to the world and we rejoice with them. And then there's the other group of people that wait a couple of weeks and they get the baby all cuted up and they put him in, you know, Santa's little elf thing and everybody's looking great. And there's like, you know, the stuff on the mantle and they send that out, right? Well, either way, we love it. Either way, we love getting those things, and we rejoice uh, with people. But here's the thing that, that always happens. It's true of all of these birth announcements, and that is that the birth announcement always comes after the birth of the baby, right? Well, today, we're going to be talking about a birth announcement. We are officially in the season of Advent. We're getting our hearts prepared for Christmas, and we're going to talk about a birth announcement that came uh, not immediately after the birth of the child, not even two weeks after the birth of the child. This birth announcement came 700 years before the birth of this baby. Who is the baby that we're talking about? Jesus. Jesus. But who was the announcement sent to, right? Well, Isaiah was the one that got to send the the birth announcement. What a privilege, what a joy that he got to do that. But who was it sent to? Because Mary and Joseph and their friends and relatives wouldn't show up for another 700 years. Uncle Zechariah, Aunt Elizabeth weren't there. Um, And so who was this birth announcement going to? Well, it was actually going to every man, woman, and child of Israel. And it was actually meant, this announcement was meant to be read for centuries to come. And the reason why um, Isaiah sent out this birth announcement so early is because Israel was on the precipice of having a very, very painful, difficult time in their history. The whole nation of Israel in um, Isaiah's time had come, had become a hot mess, completely corrupt. Their leadership was corrupt. They had rejected God. The people of Israel had hardened their hearts towards God. They were in the darkest place spiritually ever. And to make matters worse, and this was what was on the hearts and minds, sorry, my microphone is a little wonky. Well, to make matters worse, worse, what was on the hearts and the minds of the Israelites is that the Assyrian army was bearing down on Israel. And they were coming and they were going to destroy Israel. They were going to conquer Israel. And the Israelites knew it, and they were scared. And it gets even worse because on the heels of the Assyrians coming to conquer Israel, the Babylonians would come next, and they would utterly destroy both Israel and Judah as well. 
And the people had turned from God at this point, and so they had nowhere to run. Everything was bleak. Everything was dark. They were fearful. And it was into this context, you guys, that Isaiah brings this proclamation. And it's this. Isaiah 9-2 says this, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And this announcement, it was given so early so that generation after generation after generation of Israelites would have hope. They would have hope that a light was coming, that help was coming, that a breakthrough was coming. And so here was the announcement that Isaiah made in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. He said this, For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called. This is our verse. He will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace, and of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Now, you might notice on every birth announcement that you've ever read that the parents always include the name of the baby, right? So that you don't have to say, oh, little what's-her-name is so cute, right? What an adorable little thing that he is, right? They give the name. But interestingly here, Jesus isn't given one name. He's given four distinct names. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of course, that would be a mouthful for Mary as she's calling him in for dinner. But that was his name because Jesus is no ordinary baby, right? It's not like calling in little Kevin Kiefer into dinner. He was God with us. He was the Messiah. He was the one who would govern Israel and the world and the universe with righteousness and peace and power. That is this Jesus And so he has four names, right? And each one of those names, you guys, it actually describes who he is, but it also describes what he would do, what he will do, okay? Now, if we um, described our babies by what they did, they would be crying poopy pants, (laughs) Every one of them, right? But Jesus was named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And each of these names, these are royal names, but they're even more specifically, they are names that were attributed and given only to God. And that is really, really important, church. So for example, later on in Isaiah, we're told that the Lord God has done wonderful things in Isaiah chapter 25, and that he is wonderful in counsel. Does that sound like the name of Jesus? Isaiah said that Jesus was would be called Mighty God. And even in the next chapter, in chapter 10, um, it says that, that that very same title, was used of the Lord himself. In other words, what Isaiah was declaring is that God would be born into humanity. And so any of those folks that that would say, I don't think that Jesus was actually God, they're completely wrong. Jesus is God incarnate. And he came to bring light into our darkness. And so who would this child be? What would he be to Israel? What would he be eventually to us? Well, it begins, you guys, with wonderful counselor. Now, if I were to be um, totally honest with you, and you know that I have spent most of my time up here being totally honest with you, uh, I would tell you that I believe that every single person needs counseling. 
I am a believer that we all need counseling. Who among us couldn't use some good advice, some good instruction, some good direction in life, someone to help us when we get stuck? And Molly and I, we have always been fans of counseling. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're in counseling right now. Our last counseling appointment was like four days ago. Always fun. Um, and, and But here's the thing, you guys. Molly and I knew um, early on that we wanted to have a great marriage. We knew early on that we wanted to be peaceful in our own hearts. We knew early on we wanted to raise great kids, that we wanted to have a really healthy church. And so we decided that because we wanted things that were higher than we were, we had to get help for it because we couldn't have everything that we wanted all by ourselves. And so we had to humble ourselves, and we had to ask for help. And we have done that often in our lives. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. But there are definitely some downsides to this seeking wise counsel thing. Um, and if you're a counselor in here, just brace yourself. Uh, because one of the things that we've noticed about counseling is it is expensive, man. If you don't have insurance, it is costly. Those people know what they're doing and it costs something to get that wise counsel. So counseling, uh, is oftentimes pretty expensive. Sometimes, um, I, we've discovered that, that, you know, you and the counselor aren't not just not quite a fit sometimes. I don't know if you've ever been to counseling, uh, but there have been times where we've seen a counselor and it just wasn't quite connecting with us, and so we bailed on it. And there are sometimes, and I think it's pretty rare, but there are times where people have come to me and they've said, uh, hey, you know, I wanted to share with you what my counselor told me to do, and I have responded to them, never go back to that person again. <laughs> don't, don't do that. That will not serve you well at all. Have you guys ever trusted someone uh, and asked for wise counsel and they gave you bad advice? Or worse yet, have you ever listened to that bad advice and... Uh, and, and stepped out into it. When I was, I've shared this before, when I was a young school teacher, fresh out of college, um, I was working in this little elementary school, and I was paired up, I was a special education teacher, and I was paired up with a, with a uh, regular classroom teacher, and we worked together, and um, this teacher and I we struggled. Uh, this woman was notorious in our school, and I think the reason I was paired up with her is because my colleagues, the other two special education teachers, couldn't take it any longer, and so they put the new guy with this teacher, and I was just having a heck of a time with this woman. I was struggling with her, and so I went back to my colleagues, and I, it didn't occur to me all the history that they had with her, but I went back to them. I said, what do you think I should do about this? I'm just, she's killing me. And my colleague said, you need to put her in her place. <laughs> you need to show her who's boss. You can't take that from her. If you keep taking that crap from her, you're, you're going to be miserable for the rest of your time at this school. And I'm like, okay, all right. She's, they're like, you got to just, you know, set her straight right now. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do that. And it just so happened that later on that day, we were in the hall, and we stopped to chat for a minute, and she was rude to me, and I thought, it's go time. And so I just laid into her in the hallway of this elementary school with kids all over the place, 
And the, the, she started crying. The principal had to come and pull us into her office and set, settle this thing. And you know what? That made things 10 times worse. <laughs> It was the worst idea ever. Uh, and I went back to my colleagues and, why did you guys tell me to do it? And they were like, we thought it would be a good idea. So anyway, I followed some really, really bad advice. And so it's true that occasionally we get some bad counsel in life. But the fact remains, church, that we need a counselor in our lives. We all need someone that will speak into us, someone that will uh, uh, encourage us, someone that will help us to see clearly. We need, I love like the mafia idea of the consigliere, right? Someone to, to speak into the affairs of our lives. We all need that. And that's what Jesus is to all of us. He is our wonderful counselor. And I love that he is called the wonderful counselor. Um, and you can imagine with these poor Israelites, all of the fear and the anxiety that they must have been feeling as this, this Assyrian army was bearing down on them. I'm sure they thought, what will happen to me? What will my life be like? Will I survive this? Will I have to leave my home? Will, will my son have to go fight? Will my father have to go fight? Will my brother have to go fight in this battle? Will they make it out alive? They were so scared, so anxious. They didn't know what to do. And we, thankfully, don't have to deal with that type of fear, that type of anxiety, but we certainly have our own. We all face an uncertain future. Maybe we have anxiety about job trouble that we struggle with. Maybe we have anxiety about school, something at school. Maybe we have anxiety about a severe sickness that we are dealing with or someone that we love is dealing with. We face an uncertain future with aging parents. We might face an uncertain future about wanting to be married and not sure how we will ever get there. But that's, you guys, what makes Christmas so amazing. Into our darkness, we have seen a great light in Jesus, and he becomes our wonderful counselor. And this word wonderful is actually really wonderful. Uh, in the, in the Hebrew, the word is pele or pele or pala, and it means something uncommon or extraordinary. And what it actually means, church, is miraculous. He will be our miraculous counselor. And this word counselor, it actually has this sort of royal image to it. When it's most often used, it's, it's actually attributed to kings. And so if you can just imagine King Solomon in all of his wisdom and all of his goodness and all of his splendor and people coming to him to receive guidance and wisdom for their own lives. And so when you, uh, when you think about these things, when you put them together, you have this this one who is born into humanity, who is miraculous and wonderful and kingly in his counsel. That is what we look forward to this Christmas. And you and I have experienced this. You've experienced the wonder of God in your life. You've experienced the miraculous love of Jesus. And I really love the heart of King David in this. King David longed to experience the wonderful counsel of God. And there's this, this little series of, um, of psalm, verses in the psalms that I want to share with you. There's three of them. And how I want you to think about this is actually as a dialogue between David and God. And so it begins this way, Psalm 16, verse 7. David says, 
I will praise the Lord who counsels me even at night. My heart instructs me. And then I imagine God replies, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. How does that feel, church? And then David replies, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. I'm going to read that again for us. David I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. God says, I will, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. And David replies, you guide me with your counsel and afterward you will take me into glory. Do you want that church? Do you want that in your life? And so my challenge to you today is to honor and obey the wise and loving and even miraculous counsel of the wonderful counselor. Will you give yourselves to his counsel? Will you submit to it? Will you let his light be poured into the dark places of your own life? Because you have access to miracles in your life if you will give your life to him, if you will honor the counsel of Jesus in your life. But he's not only uh, a wonderful, miraculous counselor. It's not like Jesus is some sort of like supernatural AI that just knows the answer to everything, right? His loving, kind, wise, kingly counsel is actually combined with immeasurable power. This is who Jesus is. The title, Mighty God comes next. And this title of Mighty God, it actually has a military sort of feel to it. And, and what this means is, is that Jesus will come and he will fight battles. That's why the birth of Christ is so such an amazing thing. It's so enigmatic because he came to conquer darkness with light. He came uh, for big things. And you know, church, one of the things that I um, can sometimes slip into as a pastor is to always make the gospel and to always make the Bible um, speak personally to you. And, and, and that's sometimes good, and it's sometimes not very good. Because we can think that all of Jesus' purposes were just for me personally, like he's like a pocket God for us. But I want you to know that what Jesus came to do was glorious and huge and far beyond the scope of your own life. He came to conquer the darkness of all of humanity's separation from God. He came to conquer the darkness of Satan, the devil. He came to conquer the darkness of sin and death and sickness and hopelessness and every other darkness that has ever come into the world. He wasn't just coming to defeat the Assyrian army for Israel, though he would eventually do that, or to, to defeat the Babylonians, though he would eventually do that. He wasn't coming to, to, to settle our regional skirmishes here in Palatine for you and I, though he might do that. He was coming to crush the head of Satan. He was coming to reverse the effect of humanity's rebellion against God. He was coming to take every drop of Satan's power to keep humanity locked up and to set us free to invite every one of us to experience his love, his grace, his wonderful counselor. He came to be light in real darkness so that he could be your rescuer, your redeemer, your hope, your help. That's what Jesus came for. 
He was coming to calm storms with a word and to set captives free with a touch. And I love that Jesus is mighty God because um, God was declaring through Isaiah that Jesus will fight battles on our behalf. And my my favorite picture of this, um, my favorite sort of real-life picture of this has to do with my dad, actually. Um, when I was... Uh, young, I think I was about eight or nine years old. I, I was always a really, really, really small kid. Um, I remember when I was in seventh grade, I wrestled at the weight of 72 pounds. I was like a scrawny little guy. Um, but when I was eight or nine, I was like really, really short. And um, I grew up in Kenosha, Wisconsin. And um, it happened to be, I, you know, I went to a Catholic school, and it happened to be on this particular day that it was a winter, it was like sometime in February or something, and uh, there was a huge blizzard in Wisconsin on that day. And so it was a snow day for us. And so my brothers and I were really, really excited. I was eight or nine. My brother Andy was seven or eight. And then my brother Mike was really, really little. And uh, it was a snow day, so we were home. My dad was at work. My mom was home watching us. And this was in the mid-70s. And so uh, so things were different back then. But my mom decided to send my brother Andy and I to the grocery store to get some groceries. And, um, and so she gave us cash. And the grocery store was like, it, it felt like a country mile from where we lived. It was a straight shot down this road, uh, and it was just through a neighborhood. It was kind of a quiet road. Um, I've actually since been back, and it wasn't that far, but um, but anyway, it felt like an eternity, but Andy and I were so excited to go and do this shopping trip for my mom. I'm not sure if we'd ever done it before, and so we got the money, and we headed out in this huge snowstorm, uh, and we're, you know, walking to the store, and it's we're having a great time, and we finally get to the store, and we've got this money, and we get a shopping cart, and we start doing all the shopping, and because we were like all by ourselves, we were goofing around. It took us forever to do this, and we finally got all the groceries, and we got up to the register, and we paid for it, and we each walked out with this giant, you know, grocery bag of groceries, one each, and we started to walk home. Well, in the hour and a half that we were in the grocery store, the snow had just piled up. And it was now at least a couple of feet of snow, and the streets hadn't been plowed, and there actually wasn't a sidewalk on this particular street. And I remember every step was just difficult because I was so short, and we had to clomp our way back home. And it wasn't long, you guys, before we got really, really tired, and we got really, really cold, and the wind was whipping at our faces, and I could still feel that part of your wrist where you're holding something, the gloves end, you know, that that gap, and our faces stung, and we began to get so tired and so overwhelmed that we began to cry, because I didn't think it would be okay to, I didn't know what to do. I had my little brother with me, and I, I didn't think it was okay to put the groceries down, and I couldn't, we couldn't even see in front of us. And so we're, we're trudging through the snow, trying to get through this. Andy's crying. I'm crying. I didn't know how far we were from home, and I was completely overwhelmed. And I have to tell you, that memory is burned into my brain. I can feel it right now. And so as I'm, tr- I'm freaking out, trying to figure out what to do, thinking I'm not going to make it, suddenly in the distance, we saw this thing. I couldn't even see exactly what it was. I c- it was hard to even tell. I-, I-, I don't know. But suddenly we saw this figure galloping towards us. And I didn't know who it was, but 
about 10 feet away, we realized that it was our dad. And he came at us and he tackled Andy and I. And we rolled around in the snow. And we started throwing snowballs at each other, wrestling around in the snow. And in an instant, everything changed. In a second, everything changed. And suddenly, where we were completely filled with fear, completely uh, overwhelmed, anxious, tired, scared, not knowing what to do, suddenly it became one of the most joyful moments of my young life. And in that moment, my dad gathered us up, dusted us off, grabbed those groceries, one in each arm easily, and he began to lead us home. And I will never forget that experience because for me, it is exactly the picture of what Jesus does for us. In the place of our brokenness, in the place of our darkness, in the place of our being overwhelmed and anxious and not knowing what to do, tears coming down our face, our faces stinging. In that place, Jesus shows up and he takes our burdens easily because he is mighty God. And he shows us the way to go easily because he knows the way to go. That is what we celebrate at Christmas, church. I'm going to wrap up with these verses again. David says, I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. And God says, I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. And David says, you guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you will take me into glory. For to us, a child is born. And to us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace, and of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Why don't we stand up? If we think about it for very long, I imagine um, there's a place in your life where um, you could use a wonderful counselor. I imagine there's a place in your life where you could really use a mighty God, a kingly God. Jesus came to do great, cosmic, cataclysmic, eternal things in his birth. It's much bigger than we probably will ever realize. And at the same time, he came for you. He came for you. He came for your dark place. He came to rescue you out of your storm. And so we're going to take a minute, and I would just invite you to invite the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, into your space, into your life, just as it is. Some of us are dealing with, you know, sickness. Some of us are dealing with hurt hearts, broken relationships, futures that seem uncertain or hopeless. That's where Jesus will go if you invite him in. So, Lord, um, I, I pray for every person here. I wish I could just go through and name each one of you by name. 
but the Lord uh, he is speaking your name right now I pray Lord Jesus that you would uh, be welcome into our place of darkness into our place of doubt into our place of anxiety of feeling overwhelmed scared unfulfilled thank you Holy Spirit that you um, you are the conduit of all of the goodness of Jesus you are the conduit of all of the power of God available to us and so I just pray um, you know if you would be open to it I, I would just encourage you to open up your hands for a moment you don't have to do this if you're not comfortable but you know, when we receive gifts, we kind of open our hands this way. And so just for a moment, open up your hands. And just say, Jesus, I receive your life. I receive your light into my life. Let me walk in it. I receive your care, your love, your strength for my life, just as it is. And bless you, Lord. I, um, I, I wonder too if there are some here that are feeling just a bit discouraged by something in your life. If, um, uh, it, if you just feel like you're just sort of at the end of your rope, if you just like my strength is, it's not there anymore. I wish I had the strength for what I feel like I have to do. The Lord is pouring out his strength on you even now. Even now. So, Lord Jesus, we glorify you. We bless you. I pray for this Christmas season that we would experience you as wonderful counselor, as mighty God. Bless each person here. Take care of each person here. Open our eyes to see you. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us the grace to invite your miraculous counsel into our lives, that we would follow you out of our storms. In the name of Jesus, amen.